Welcome to Guest of the Year. I'm the host. My name's Mike. Joining us as the setlist curator is Professor Eric Mlynn, who's a senior fellow at Duke's Keenan Institute for the Ethics and a senior lecturer at Duke's Sanford School of Public Policy. Eric teaches the seminar course, Long Strange Trip, The Grateful Dead and American Cultural Change. Welcome, Eric. Thanks, Mike. Really glad to be here. Looking forward to the game. Thanks, Eric. This week's prize pack provider is Grateful Dead-centric online shop, Felix Heads, which is run by our pal, Ryan. Ryan has a formal background in painting and drawing, but while taking a break from painting in 2017, Ryan started dyeing shirts from his own personal collection just for fun. But then he started making buttons and stickers mainly for trading, and the shop gradually took off, and Ryan just ran with it. Felix Heads has since become a catch-all for Ryan's various projects. It is both loosely defined and oddly specific. Paintings, drawings, prints, shirts, appropriated and bootlegged objects, the same thread connects all the output. I'm going to put Felix Head's store link in the show notes, but another great way to keep up with Ryan's periodic drops is the mailing list. Uh, I'm a proud subscriber of said mailing list, and what happens is Ryan makes a bunch of stuff, and then he emails everyone that there's going to be a drop tomorrow or something, and then you kind of have to get on or else it sells out. Whenever I get that email in my inbox, I'm always stoked. So yeah, uh, I'll put that link in the show notes as well. It's a link to his site. Thank you so much, Ryan. All right, here's how the game works. We'll play the first part of a Grateful Dead live track, and each contestant will use the messaging system to silently guess which year their performance is from. Contestants, who are all on a video conference together, can message in their guesses at any time during the clip or in the 10 seconds after it concludes. Whoever is furthest from the correct year is eliminated. The last two deadheads standing will have a best of three series to determine a winner. We've got our two-time returning champion, Jeremy, here with us. And we'll meet the rest of the Deadheads in a moment. But first, let's hear the first song. Without further ado, The Grateful Dead. It was Bertha at Capitol Theater in Port Chester, New York on February 21st, 1971. Eric, nice choice. Why'd you choose that one? Well, there's nothing like a Bertha, Bertha opener, right? And I thought uh, it would be great to open, uh, o- open our set together with Bertha. Um, I was listening to the show uh, this morning, Mike, and I, there was also a Bertha on. And uh, 
two minutes wasn't enough and I had to shut the show off and play a bertha while I was working out and then finish your show. It's just, it's just <laughs> one of those things. And, um, and I picked this one. I love the use of this particular song. Um, and for me, another thing about seeing the dead and seeing post grateful dead, grateful dead music is the venue. And so I wanted to choose something from a place that um, has the Grateful Dead uh, in the walls. And so uh, that's why I chose this. I love Phil's bass on, on, on this version of Bertha. You just hear it. Phil's driving it. And uh, it's exuberant. And so uh, glad to start this off with that. Awesome. Thank you, Eric. Well, three people got it exactly. They're all on to the next round. Let's meet Garth. Garth is 48, is from Rochester, New York. Nice poll, Garth. How'd you uh, figure out 71? Yeah, I heard some of that uh, that youthful excitement there, too. Phil's bass pumping in um, really drove it. You could hear Jerry's voice just sounded, uh, you know, so fresh and, and tight. It sounded really good. Um, it just had that feel like right before they launched into Europe 72, they're still pulling things together. Everybody just sounded like they were hyped to be there and uh, sounded like a fun night was about to take place. Uh, just, just was happy to get happy to get the first one and not be eliminated. So <laughs> was pumped was pumped to do that. I was like, man, if I get if I'm ten years off or something, I'm gonna feel feel real bad. So so happy to get it done and uh, whatever else happens now, I feel I feel good. Awesome, Garth. Uh, yeah, you're on to the next round. Keith will be joining you on the next round. Keith, you also nailed 71. Uh, what do you want to add to Garth's breakdown there? I mean, I, I for, for some reason, I was saying in my head was 73. Like, I was attached to that for most of it. But then right towards the end, there was just something there with the tone and Garcia's guitar that had me just switch to earlier. Um, and, you know, I don't know what it was, but I was just like, it's, it's too rough to be 73. It's not as polished or something like that. Um, I guess I got lucky because that was a little less. I usually, I usually tell myself I have to go with my first instinct, but this was my last instinct. Um, and it turned out to be right. That's awesome. Um, cool, mm -hmm. Keith. Way to, way to you know, kind of let it flow there and on the next mm -hmm. round. Jeremy is our two-time returning champ. He's going for the three-peat. Uh, you are off to a fast start. You nailed 71. What'd you hear there? Um, so 71 it usually kind of sounds pretty distinct to me because there's one drummer, but it still kind of has that 70 feel to it in, in terms of like the guitar tones specifically and kind of a youthful sound to their vocals. Like I think Jerry's playing, I think in 71 he played an SG, which happens to be uh, my current guitar um a coincidence but, or um i think i think jerry having an sg at one point kind of informed my decision but it was no it was mostly that was not what he was known to play he mostly played like custom stuff uh and i don't want to bust out the money for a, a custom jerry guitar um but yeah and i i definitely i could tell it wasn't 72 because like 72 i think has kind of a softer sound in terms of like the instrument tones uh, whereas like the, there's like kind of more gain. It's, it's, it's a heavier kind of rougher, rugged tone that, that Jerry and, and, uh, Bob have here. So that's how I could figure that out. Well done, Jeremy. Joining you in the next round will be your dad, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> Dean is 63. He's from Los Altos, California. He is Jeremy's dad who has come to take down his son. Oh, it's classic. That'll throne. be very tough. Yeah. This is Shakespearean here. 
15, you're on the next round with your guest, 1970. What'd you hear there? Well, I just heard a really early Bertha. It reminded me of like the Bears Choice version, you know, sort of in that sort of in that era. And that's that's kind of it, you know. Just uh, hey, I was only off by two months, right? It was February of '71, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True, true. So, uh, so well, that was about it, you know. Cool. You're on in the next round, which means. Uh, Ryan, I'm sorry, you're eliminated. Ryan is 36. He's from Butler, Pennsylvania. Ryan guessed 1973, and you're only two years off, Ryan. And for that, you get eliminated. Tough crowd today, Jesus. Um, what'd you hear there? Yeah. <laughs> the speed. I thought with the speed and the way Jerry's guitar sounded, I was going back and forth between 71 and 73, and I went with my gut at 73, and I was wrong. The gut debate is endless. How did you uh, get into the dead? Uh, the first kitchen job I ever had when I was 15, two of the line cooks were deadheads, and that's all we listened to all day long, and it just reeled me in. When they're playing the dead, did they kind of inform you on you know the whole like mythology, or did they just play the dead nonstop? The whole, just, the whole thing. They informed me, played it nonstop, talked about the shows they were at. What type of restaurant is this? This is the coolest restaurant ever. Uh, it was just a little mom-and-pop place back in the middle of rural Pennsylvania. So you stop working at the job, then what happens? You just, you go off on your own and explore. I went off, went off, explored, still working. I'm an executive chef now in Pittsburgh, but still listen to the dead every day, still go on tour. So do you uh, indoctrinate your line cooks now? I do. All the young line cooks get to listen to the Grateful Dead every morning. Do you really? I do. They, they know every morning it's a solid hour of the Grateful Dead no matter what. <laughs> no way. Are you even able to turn anyone? Uh, a few of them like it. I haven't really turned anybody full hardcore yet, but they don't they don't mind it. I have a few that hate it, but most of them just don't mind it. What do you say to them when they're like, we hate this? Too bad. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, I know you had uh, students in your Grateful Dead class who said they don't like the Grateful Dead, right? I think I read that in an article. What do you say to them when they say, I don't like the Grateful Dead? <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, there was a young woman in the uh, first time I taught it uh, about a year and a half ago who at the end said, you know, this is just a bunch of old white guys who can't sing. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, that's okay, too. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't believe that higher education is for indoctrination. And so um, I'm not indoctrinating them. Uh, here it is. And uh, take from it what you will. So uh, some come away really liking them. Some come away neutral. And a few are like, they may never listen to them again. And I asked my students, I'm like, so what are you listening to? Um, and they turned me on to music that I would never listen to. Um, and so that's been really interesting and fun for me. Well, it's a good uh, teacher right there. You know, listen to the students as well. Uh, uh, yeah. While the classroom may not be for indoctrination, the kitchen is for indoctrination. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad to hear that you're uh, indoctrinating the line cooks. Uh, keep it up, Ryan. You're doing God's work in that kitchen. And uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Keith, Jeremy, Garth, and Dean are all on to the next round, competing for the Felix Heads prize pack. Eric has a song picked out for them. Let's hear it. Mm-hmm. 
the guesses are in if i had the world to give at winterland on october 17th 1978 eric tell us a little bit about that one yeah that's a song that has um rich meaning for me um the dead only played that three times live uh it's from shakedown street and um when i married uh my wife judy in 1989 that was our first dance if i had the world to give um and uh, it's a beautiful hunter romantic ballad. Word, word was that, in fact, Garcia didn't think, do it more than three times because the, um, the vocal range was really tough, as you could hear. It pretty, goes pretty high. Um, anyway, um, I lost my wife, Judy, to breast cancer almost six years ago. And um, on the, uh, she was in hospice, and the morning that she died at home, um, I thought things were close. Uh, I played her two songs. I played Pachelbel's Cannon, which was um, what we walked down the aisle to, and I played If I Have the World to Give. And um, probably the only time those two songs have been paired. Um, and uh, uh, and so it's a song that's meant a lot to me. Um, after Judy died, um, very soon after it was announced that Dead & Company were playing in Mexico. And um, uh, I heard her whisper to me, go go which was a lot of money it's kind of and uh so i went and wouldn't you know the grateful dead only played that three times the last night uh in mexico with the moon bright and on the big screen a big red rose O'Teal burbridge broke into if i had the world to give and my my sister who was with me looked up and said judy what are you doing and um so it's a beautiful song O'Teal does a beautiful job with it um uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful song. There's a line that Hunter wrote that was not in the song. Um, if I had a golden chime and made it sing in perfect rhyme. And there's Hunter for you. Um, and the lyrics there are just so, so beautifully Robert Hunter. Wow. Uh, what was um, your wife Judy's relationship like with the dead? Um, it's funny, you know, when, when I said, let's, let's, uh, let's do this. Um, let's have this as our first song. And she listened to it and she loved it. It was 1989. There was no internet. It was, and we had a band playing in our wedding. It was like one of those wedding bar mitzvah bands. We had to send them a, a tape of, um, of the, you know, we recorded it, I think from the album, sent them and they did it. And like my deadhead friends and family were like, 
think we know this song. Um, Judy, <laughs> uh, the, the Grateful Dead were definitely the soundtrack to our lives. She tolerated them, usually. Uh, I went a lot, and she went once a decade. <laughs> so, um, uh, it, and it, it worked out just fine. And every every once in a while, she would ask, could we play something else? But for the most part, uh, she knew how much I loved them, and so uh, she was able to love them, too. Thank you, Eric. Yeah. Jeremy got it exactly, 1978. Nice work, Jeremy. Uh, what'd you hear there? Um, well, I'm glad that there's finally a 78 because the past two episodes, there were 77s that I guessed as 78. So I've been having some trouble there. But uh, I, I I, heard Keith. I, I heard um, the drums, the way that they... Uh, they had like some reverb on them. They're kind of echoey. Uh, it reminded me of one that I've been listening to a lot lately, which is New Year's of '78, which I really like. And I did at the end. I was wave. I was still wavering between '77 and '78, but then I re- I did remember that it, that that song was on uh, Shakedown Street. So I, I figured they didn't play it before '78. And I'm actually I'm surprised they didn't play that song more because um, I think that's definitely one of their like stronger studio songs you know it's definitely better than france (laughs) (laughs) um awesome so yeah well keith guessed 77 he's next closest keith what'd you hear there um well i mean i immediately knew that it was only played a handful of times and i was just struggling to remember what year they played it um, and you know, 78, and here I am saying I should be going with my first instinct, which was 78, and then I reverted to my last instinct, which <laughs> was, was 77, because, uh, you know, I've been listening to these different podcasts, and, like, there's a lot of 77 stuff, but I keep saying to myself, oh, they're not doing 77, it's too obvious, right, you know, but it's not, so it's, um, you know, um, I guess you just have to go with what you hear, um, so I should have went with my first instinct, um, but yeah, it's a small small pull with that song. Keith, you're battling yourself right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just pissed off that I didn't pick 78, but I'm happy that I'm going forward. Well, actually, now that you bring it up, everyone's going on to the next round because Garth guessed 1980 and Dean guessed 1976, so they're equal two years off. Uh, so everyone's going on to the next round. <laughs> bonus song which is great because eric has put together a set list that while i was going through i was like holy shit i can't believe we're not gonna hear every one of these songs but uh dean you said 1976 what'd you hear there well i heard i heard it sounded like 70s i didn't realize the rarity of the song and briefly i thought maybe it was a trick and i thought did the dead bring it back way later but then jerry's voice was just way too clear for it to be later on so i you know, notched back into the 70s. I was listening for, for Donna there in the background. I couldn't really tell if I could hear her or not, but I, I went for that era. So I was off a little bit. Way to catch yourself on that. I'm, I know that you can be tempted by the 90s and some because it's so wild. You know, it's like a wild <laughs> card. Like, I don't know, maybe. Uh, okay, Garth guessed 1980. What'd you hear there, Garth? I, I was really trying to listen for Donna or, you know, I was listening to the keys and was like, is that Keith? What's, you know, I listen to tons of shows all the time and it's obviously not one that comes up very often. So I was really trying to place it. I had 79 written down and I really think that little crack, Jerry's crack in his voice, trying to hit that high note. And I think I was like, oh no, I'm going to push it, push a little further here. 
Um, but you know, I, I, I recognize the song instantly, but I'm like, man, I, this never comes up. So I was sort of in the dark a little bit. So I, I'm happy I was within two years actually. Given how many questions you had, 1980 was a perfect guess. Good job playing the game, you know, and it worked. You're on to the next round with everyone. Eric has another song. Let's hear it. Liberty at Dean Smith Center in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, on March 25th, 1993. Eric, you chose the first Liberty in the history of Guest of the Year. Thank you for that. Uh, why'd you choose that one? The first Liberty? Wow. I mean, what better line is there than if I was a bed, I would stay unmade? I mean, it, it, uh, <laughs> to, to, I, I think about that all the time. Uh, I chose this song because um, I was at this show. I was on the faculty at UNC Chapel Hill at the time uh, in the political science department, and it was announced that the dead were following me to Chapel Hill, and uh, there were two shows. And um, it was really fun because uh, I don't know if you've all heard the expression, a Clark Kent deadhead, but a Clark Kent deadhead is one you look at and you might not know that they're a deadhead, and I'm sort of a Clark Kent deadhead. So uh, the first night uh, I went... Uh, you know, I, I went, came home, picked up Judy. We went to the show together. The second night I left from the office, but I didn't want to put on my, my Burks and my tie dye in the office. Didn't think it would help my career. And so I, uh, I went to uh, the car and changed and walked over to the Dean Dome. The next morning I walked into my class, an 8 a.m. introduction to international relations seminar. And the students looked at each other and said, did you all see that freak show out there last night? And I didn't, I, I, I didn't have the guts to, uh, to tell them that I had been part of that freak show. Uh, um, and so um, the other thing I remember about that show was the second night in the parking lot, I found a really cool T-shirt that I was going to bring home, uh, that I brought home for Judy. And it was like 
um, it was Sesame Street characters uh, with some dead clothing on. It was just really cute, and somebody was selling it, and I, I bought it home. And what I hadn't noticed when I gave it to Judy was that Ernie had a bong in his hand. And uh, and Judy's like, I really can't wear I, I really can't wear this around town. I'm like, no, I don't think you should. So I don't I don't know whatever happened to that T-shirt. But um, yeah, the Dead play two nights in Chapel Hill. I think Vince's piano on this is so amazing. Uh, it's really heartfelt and and jazzy and fun. I just love it. And you know, '93 Jerry sounds okay. I think uh, for '93. And so um, I remember them playing this, and I I, I love the song. So uh, that's why I wanted all of you to hear it. Excellent. Uh, thanks, Eric. So the two Samoses both guessed '93, and they both got it exactly, and they're both on in the next round. We'll start with Dean. Dean, nice work, 93. What'd you hear? Um, well, I knew, you know, it was a very late dead song, so I knew it had to be in the last few years. I was listening to see if I could uh, hear uh, Bruce Hornsby along with Vince, and I don't think I did. And I believe that Hornsby played, I think, 92 mostly. So I went for 93. Got it. Just not hearing Hornsby. Nice pull. Jeremy, did you uh, have the same read as your dad there? Yeah, I was... Uh... At the very beginning, I was pretty thrown off, but then when I heard the piano come in, it definitely did not sound like uh, Brent. It was like a clean tone, like a, it sounded more like a quote unquote normal piano to me. Whereas, like in the late up at the end of Brent's run, he was playing that uh, kind of MIDI, weird, uh, like digital sounding piano. Um, I, I think I mentioned that last episode too. Um, also, stylistically, just like how he was playing, uh, I could tell it wasn't. I, I could I, I thought it wasn't Brent, um, the kinds of chords he was playing and stuff. Um and I yeah, I was listening. I'm I think Vin or I think Bruce was in the he mostly was like late ninety one to early ninety two, so the bulk sorry, late ninety to early ninety two, so the bulk of his time in the band was ninety one. But I yeah, I just decided to go with ninety three because I knew that uh Bruce probably was not gonna be there in ninety three, so that was my guess. Cool. Good job, Jeremy. You're on to the next round. Joining you will be Garth, which means that uh, Keith is all man out. Garth guessed 94. Keith guessed 91. Sorry, Keith. Garth, you're on to uh, the round of three. What'd you hear there? Yeah, I've actually, I would, you know, do a little practicing up for the show and been listening to some 90s dead. That's my era anyway. You know, I kind of got on the bus in the 90s. Um, and so, yeah, and, and some of those shows, Jerry sounds so good. You know, I was listening to the 95 show yesterday and I was like, damn, this is 95. Like, he sounded awesome. And so, like, he sounded good and strong there. And I, I recognize Vince is playing right away, um, you know, so I kind of picked that out and, um was pretty confident somewhere in the in the late or you know about the end of the end of the run there in the 93 4 5 era so i just played the game and plunked it down in the middle 94 and did did all right again playing the game nice job garth you're on the next round keith i'm sorry one year off the pace cost you um why'd you guess 91 You know, if i i could i was i was could swear i could hear both hornsby and vince you know, and there was like I heard I heard the piano, and then I thought I heard this organ, and I was like, it's both of them. And you know, they're saying that Vince was sounding good. You know, so he kind of I kind of you know because Hornsby's got this really distinctive, you know, like these finger rolls that he does. Um, 
where, you know, and I could swear I heard that. And then I thought, and then, so, you know, obviously I picked the date that was, you know, had the both of them, you know, which was, which was in the 91 camp. So that's, uh, that's where I went down with that. Um, and so, yeah, I went down swinging on that. Well, that's a very tricky thing to distinguish. Um, <clears throat> Keith, how'd you get into the den? Oh God. So let's see. I'm 50, I'm 54. When I was 12 years old, we moved, I grew up uh, like an hour north of New York City. So we moved like eight miles away from, uh, to this town called Yorktown, New York. And I was in seventh grade and I was already a big music fan. I was playing horns and stuff. So I love music. And I, I guess within like a month or so moving there, I was at this kid's house after school, just hanging out. And he puts on skeletons from the closet. And like, I immediately, I was just like, I you know, the sound. And then next thing you know, there's like a million deadheads in this town and then just the high school is littered with with deadhead but i had never I, i'd never seen a steelier face i don't think before i moved to this town and i was only eight miles away in this other town so it was really interesting it's like invasion of the body snatchers but with uh, <laughs> i don't know heads. man but that was <laughs> you know whether this kid turned me on to him or not i would have been i would have been turned on to the dead pretty quickly just being in this in this york town because um, it was definitely a, definitely a big day time. Thank you so much for coming on. Good luck to everybody, and um, you know I'll see you at the next show. <laughs> okay, take care. Take it easy, guys. Bye. Yeah. Okay, Garth, Jeremy, and Dean are competing for two spots in the best of three series to win the Felix Heads prize pack. Yeah, Eric's got another great song. Let's hear it. <laughs> are in it was birdsong at rainbow theater in london england on october 3rd 1981 the 81 europe tour eric nice choice uh, uh why'd you choose that one 
I chose that one because I was a junior studying abroad in London and the Grateful Dead followed me to London and well, they're playing at the Rainbow Theater. I remember we lined, went down to the Rainbow Theater some months before, got tickets and uh, wasn't particularly crowded if I remember correctly, really cool standing room only place. I think mostly American and you could kind of walk right up and uh, and uh, hang out with the band. So it was just really fun. I, I love bird song. I think Brent's piano sounds so good on this. Um, the the harmonies are actually working really well. And I really like this version and have really good memories of uh, of going with some really good friends to, to see them there. Thanks, Eric. All right, Garth is the only one who got it exactly, 1981. Way to go, Garth. You've wildly surpassed your goal of making it out of the first round. Uh, you're on to the finals. How did you diagnose that track as 1981? I actually think it was you, Jeremy, a couple of weeks ago that was talking about how Brent was turned up high in the mix early on in the Brent era. And I think I heard that and I was listening to the way Brent's playing was and kind of, you know, that those earlier eras. I know he's been in the band a couple of years by then, but, um, you know, a lot of this is from the gut a little bit. And I had 81 written down pretty much right away and just just wrote it through. So, yeah, happy to be moving on to the finals. Awesome, Garth. And thanks, Jeremy, for your help there. Uh, I think you, you helped me out. <laughs> you created a monster, Jeremy. Yes. In another Shakespearean twist, Garth has used Jeremy's tip to eliminate Jeremy because <laughs> ah. Jeremy oh, guessed no, 19, sorry, 1983. <laughs> Dean guessed 1980. He's one. He was one year off. Jeremy was two years off. Um, <sighs> Dean comes in and takes down his son. Oh, my God. There's so many storylines here. Dean, first to you. Uh, one year off, what'd you hear? Well, it, it sounded like very early 80s. 80 was my peak year of seeing the dead. I think about 22 times, something like that. And uh, it sounded very familiar to that era that I saw them a lot of times during. And then that's about it. Well, congrats, Dean. You're on to the finals. Jeremy... You had a hell of a run. You've entered the pantheon of back-to-back guest of your winners, which is a very, very select group. Uh, congrats. Uh, but you guessed 1983, so you're eliminated here. Well, why did you guess 83? Well, I, I was first like going towards like 84, 85 with, with how uh, it's always the drums, how the drums are mixed. Uh, but now in hindsight, it kind of does sound more early than that. I thought Jerry's vocals sounded a little too rough to be any earlier. Uh what Garth mentioned about the keys being loud in the mix. I, I feel like that that kind of sound could extend from 81 to 83-ish, although uh, it's hard to tell. But I, the, the giveaway should have been how clear uh, Brent's vocals sounded in his harmony. I think by 83, they didn't sound quite as crystal clear. But it sounded like, in this recording, it's like you could almost mistake it for Donna with how just clear and high-pitched you know it sounded. So I, I almost went with 82, uh, but 83 was my gut, so yeah. Well, you your gut took you a really long way, Jeremy. So uh, congratulations. You'll be back for the Tournament of Champions, and um, you'll be a person to beat in that tournament. So thanks so much for doing the show. Thanks. One, one quick thing. I was kind of afraid that my over-analysis in previous episodes would lead to my downfall. So <laughs> I kind of did it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and also, I was talking to my dad about like this show the other day, and I, I probably revealed some some of my tricks to him. Although I don't, I'm not sure if he really needs them because he's he's an experienced listener and 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 dead concert goer. But yeah. Well, thanks, Jeremy. All right, we've got Garth and Dean in the finals, best of three series for the Felix Heads prize pack. But before we go into that, I want to get Eric's origin story here. Eric, how did you get into the dead? Yeah, I grew up in uh, the New York area, right? So the dead were all around. I grew up in uh, northern New Jersey. Uh, uh, my, my, my buddy... Kenny's brother, Tommy, had a drum set in the back of their house, and he was into the dead and sort of heard them. And then it was like, hey, Jerry Garcia is coming to Seton Hall University in September of 1976, playing two shows. He used to do an early show and a late show. Um, and uh, we, left high, we left high school early that day and got online and uh, saw Garcia in the gymnasium at Seton Hall University in South Orange, New Jersey. And um, that was it. Almost 50 years ago. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and the dead, you know, the dead were always around. They were, um, there was a great theater in Passaic, New Jersey called the Capitol Theater, um, different capital than in Port Chester. They had the huge thing in English town in 1977. My mom wouldn't let me go. I had tickets and she said, no, you're not going to that. The newspaper said there were going to be riots and things. So I listened to it on the radio. I, uh, I just told her recently, I hadn't forgiven her for that. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, um, Roosevelt Raceway. And so it was just around and um, got to see them a lot and uh, continue to do it. Yeah. So when did you start your teaching career and how long before you got the idea for a dead course? Did you pull the trigger on a dead course? That's a great question. Mike. You know, I started teaching uh, late 80s, 1990. I've only been teaching the Grateful Dead for uh, two and a half years. So it's a new course. And this new institute I'm at at Duke, sort of they let faculty teach in this new first year seminar series. And I was sitting in my office where I have, um, I have a pretty, I have about 500 Grateful Dead posters, uh, some up and mostly in storage. And, but a lot of my office, I was sitting there, I'm like, I should teach a course on the dead. And um, I walked down the hall and spoke to the director and she said, go for it. And so that was it. Um, and uh, I've, I've done it twice. I'll, you know, I'll probably do it again next year. And uh, one of the great things is that um, the Grateful Dead played at Duke five times between uh, 1971 and uh, 1983. And so um, there's a lot of really interesting materials in the Duke Library's archives on the Grateful Dead. So our students have gone to the archives and we did an exhibit at the Duke Library on the dead at Duke um, with memos, police reports, letters from uh, administrators writing to other administrators at other universities saying, is it safe to have this band here? We hear there's all sorts of chaos around. And so um, the uh, dead have a really interesting relationship at Duke. In fact, we're doing something in April, uh, the 45th anniversary of the 1978 show on April 12th. We're going to do a panel discussion and there's a great video. It's a great show. Um, there's a great video. We're going to show parts of it and have a panel discussion and a, hopefully a dead cover band play on campus. Uh, to celebrate the dead at Duke. So there's a really interesting relationship between the university and, uh, and the band. Okay. So the freshman seminar students come in and they sit down and you have to assume that they don't know who Jerry Garcia is, or do you assume they do, or where do you start? Uh, here's where I started this year. I said to them, put your phones away, close your computers. And, uh, I chose a room that has a pretty good sound system 
and um, I play Scarlet Fire from Cornell. And I just put that on and we sit there and then I say, summer's gone, my, uh, summer's done and gone, come and gone, my oh my. And then the course begins. And uh, one of the things that we do in the course, which is really fun, is every student adopts what we call a dead buddy. I should probably call it a grateful buddy, but it's a, it's a Duke faculty member or administrator who's into the dead. And so that these first year students get to meet all sorts of people around campus. And I've unearthed dozens of them who are really eager to talk to our students. And then students do a report on how they got it. They ask questions like you do, Mike. How'd you get into the dead? What does it mean to you? Um, and so we've got people in the law school, the medical school, all sorts of uh, so, so it's a great way for first-year students to get to know the university and people at the university. Amazing. And you and I were actually talking before, and you mentioned that you're actually going to a meeting of all the professors who teach Grateful Dead courses from around the country. It's, it's, a, it's a meeting of people who, uh, who study the Grateful Dead. It's the Grateful Dead Studies Association, um, and there's a journal called Grateful Dead Studies, uh, and it's scholars from all around the world um, who are writing papers about the Grateful Dead. I'm going to be on a panel, as you mentioned, that it's a roundtable with uh, two other colleagues who teach courses on the Grateful Dead and teaching the Grateful Dead. Uh, interestingly, the new head of Duke University Press um, is a, loves the dead, and he started a book series uh, on the Grateful Dead. And there's two books coming out on the dead from Duke University Press. Um, and so there's a lot of really interesting scholarship coming out on everything from the politics of the Grateful Dead to, you know, some guy wrote a paper on can you predict how many drum beats begin beat it on down the line by the day of the week? Or you know, it's like there's there's you know there's all sorts of really uh, interesting stuff. But yeah, there's a pretty active scholarly community looking at this as well. Well, that's super super cool, and thank you, Eric, for sharing the origin story there. All right, we've got Garth and Dean here. Let's get the best of three series rolling. Eric's got a great pick for you. Let's hear it. They're selling postcards for the hay. They're painting the passports brown. Beauty ball is full of sailors. The circus is in town. And walks the blind commissioner. They've got him in a trance. One hand is tied to the tide of water. The other is in his pants. The rascal. They're restless. They need somewhere to go. Cinderella, she seems so easy. Takes one to know one, she smiles. Puts her hands in her back pockets. Betty Davis. Vegan walks Romeo Eastbourne. You belong to me, I believe. Someone says, Desolation Row at Oakland Alameda County Coliseum on December 17th, 1986. Love a good Desolation Row, Eric. Nice choice. 
why that one in particular? I, I love when uh, the dead do Dylan in general. I, I think I like live Dylan a lot more by the Grateful Dead than I do uh, by Bob Dylan. Um, <laughs> having seen both of them and having seen uh, Dylan a lot as well. Um, and I love We Are Doing Desolation Row. One is you're always wondering if Bobby's going to remember all the words. And if you listen to this whole thing, he, he nails it. Um, at, at, the, at the end of this song, uh, if, you, if you listen on, um, you've got some great Bobby screaming going on. And one of the things I love about The Dead doing Desolation Row is Garcia's guitar interacting with Weir's voice. He's filling in almost, I, I picture it as he's wrapping his guitar around Weir's vo- uh, the spaces between Weir's lyrics. And I just love it. And that guitar fill, is filling in spaces and... Uh, I think it's brilliant. And so I love the dead doing Desolation Row. I love Desolation Row. Um, I think there's a collection of Garcia doing Dylan called Pictures um, uh, from the Hanging from Desolation Row. So it was, it, was an, it was an important song that they did. I've always thought, Mike, maybe when I retire, the book to write is the book on the relationship between Dylan and, and the dead. There is something self-published and people have written about this. It's, um, but I think there's a fascinating story. I'm not sure the whole thing has been told. Um, they were very adjacent, as you know, they did a tour together in 87. I got to see them when I was in graduate school. And at one point Dylan asked if he could join the band after the tour. Um, and the story is, I think it's in Phil Lesh's book. He called the main office and said, this is Bob Dylan. Can I, I want to join the Grateful Dead. And I think it was Phil Lesh who said, uh, who vetoed that idea. Dylan also did a beautiful eulogy to Garcia when Garcia died in 95 and talked about them being brothers. And so, um, I love the interaction of, of Dylan and the dead and uh, Desolation Row is at the top of the list. Why do you think Bob Dylan wanted to be in the Grateful Dead at that stage in his career? You know, because Dylan had really been in a slump and what he discovered was that he really needed to go back out on the road and he discovered the exuberance of being on the road and he really hasn't stopped since then other than during COVID. I mean, Dylan's still playing like 150 shows a year. And he real and he saw the dead who were, you know, much more a live band than a studio band. And um he got really inspired by that and I think wanted to um wanted to do that. The tour itself, when they played together, was not very good. The album is considered one of the worst um uh that they put out, the lot, you know, um live Dylan and the Dead from that tour. Um but Dylan was asked some years ago, why do you still do this? Why you know, you're in your upper eighties, uh, upper seventies, eighty. He said, you wouldn't ask a carpenter why they still build furniture. Don't ask me why why I'm still playing live music. And so I think the liveness of the Grateful Dead is what inspired him and made him want to join them. So what's keeping you from writing that book? Just having to sit down and write a book? Yeah. You know, I don't know if I have it in me, Mike. Uh, (laughs) uh, You know, um, yeah, it's... it might be better to keep it a hobby. <laughs> got it, got it. But 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 you know maybe in retirement, uh, uh, that'll that'll be the passion project. Well, I'd certainly read it, and I'm sure a lot of people would. So, all right. Well, if you come up with a good title for it, let me know. That's the key. Once you come <laughs> up with a good title, then yeah, then you've yeah. got the whole thing. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool, Eric. Thank you. So, Dean was closer. He guessed 1987. Garth guessed 1989. Uh, Dean, one year off, one year north of 86. What'd you hear there? Hey, first, I got to say that I, I love seeing Dylan. I saw him last year and he was great. You know, and I'll give him all the slack in the world for being Bob Dylan too. So 
Um, anyway, I, re I remember that the tour with with Dylan. I couldn't remember exactly which year it was. I saw one of those shows. I guess it was '86, right? So, so I I pegged it as an early Dylan cover by the Dead. Cool, Dean. Nice pull and sound logic. You go up one zero in the series. Uh, Garth, you guessed '89. Why '89? I was just, you know, kind of trying to place it in that kind of once they started playing those Dylan covers fairly often in the 80s, just trying to hear and listen to Jerry's playing. You know, it, it sounded pretty good. But, uh, you know, another thing Jeremy said last week or the week before, I think it was Jeremy talking about Jerry's fat fingers. <laughs> and I was like, is that is it a fat finger Jerry show? Um, you know, just trying to hear out. uh you know how he was playing. Bobby sounded nice and strong, and so I was thinking. I was thinking later '80s, but I had all the '80s written down. '80, '87, '88. You know, so I was I was right in there and just kind of thinking, okay, this is sounding a little later in the '80s, um, and just off by a handful of years there. You know, I think Jeremy did say that too, but I think the episode you're talking about that was uh, the great Todd. Oh, that was who, Todd, who originally <laughs> broke out the "I hear Jerry's uh, fat fingers." Um, <laughs> And that'll, go down, that'll go down in history, Mike, as one of the great moments of Guess of the Year. There's just no, there, there's, there's no, I don't know how you beat that one. Yeah, there, everyone on the Zoom gasped. They were like, mouse, like, <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> yeah, that was when, yeah, um, Josh, uh, the other contestant, was like, this is the, he's the greatest, he's the greatest podcast guest ever. Like, uh, that was, uh, wild yeah but um but then i think jeremy used it i'm if i'm i think i'm i'm pretty sure jeremy you uh, whatever used it weeks later so there you go garth how did you get into the dead um i was i was like a skateboard kid growing up i was into that kind of scene you know sort of punk rock and and but you know definitely anti-establishment i you know I pretty good disdain for for you know organized things and so then i was in 11th grade uh this this we were, I was in a industrial arts class and this kid came from a couple towns over a new kid to the school and kind of brought the dead with him, you know, but I think one of the things that really got me into it was like the iconography, the imagery. So I was making silk screens and um, doing woodcuts and I was borrowing from that. I mean, borrowing is like, I was straight up copying it, but um, you know, that was, that was my first real, like, it kind of sucked me in. I was like, man, this is cool. And, and I love the way these letters work together. And my parents are artists and, and I ended up, you know, going to art school too. And so, you know, that was kind of the, the hook, I think that got me pulled in. Um, also, you know, music was a part of our life. You know, my, my dad plays music and um, I played the drums and then guitar and stuff. And so, um, but then this buddy was like, yeah, let's go see. Uh, I think, I think Jerry band was my first show in Philly. Um, I grew up outside of Philadelphia um, and I was, I was like, this is, this is amazing uh, and got hooked and that was it, you know? So I missed, I missed Brent by a year and was all, all the Vince and Vince era. But um, in 1994, you know, I kept, kept going to shows when they came on the East coast and um, you know, would kind of bop around here and there and catch a show um, when they were through town um, but then my buddies, the same guy that came, Josh Schussler, word up, Josh, um, and my buddy, um, Joe, uh, were like, you want to go on a West Coast tour? And so we did the 1994 West Coast tour. We bought a 1974 uh, Midnight Blue Cadillac Sedan DeVille. Uh, we each paid 
200 bucks for is like a $600 car. We drove that thing across the country. Um, my buddies had already been kind of set up in Tahoe. So that was like our home base. And we, we used that as our kind of jumping off point. And I saw most of the shows that tour, I got shut out of a couple here and there, but, um, you know, we, we sold everything from veggie pasta, burritos, beer, soda, you know, you name it. And I left that Pennsylvania that summer with 700 bucks and I just had to use my credit card to put gas in the car and the last the last leg from St. Louis so so I learned a ton uh, we also switched out cars by the way we we dropped the caddy <laughs> in Tahoe couldn't afford the gas for that thing my buddy had a Volkswagen Scirocco uh, so we drove that around um, but yeah man I I just learned so much about how to navigate the world and how to be a human, you know, it was, it was the best education for me. I, I absolutely loved that time in my life. Um, you know, one of the things I really saw was like a lot of goodness in the world, you know, not even with the dead scene, but just in between the shows, you know, driving through small towns, you know, our fuel pump, you know, got shot. We fixed it in the Pep Boys parking lot. People are helping us out. You know, I mean, it really was a time for me. Um, you know, we saw some, we saw some bad shit too, for sure. Um, but, but just the totality of it, the wholeness of it just made me feel really connected and really alive. And, and it was like this American thing, you know, like drive across country, see America, um, support ourselves, uh, have a blast getting, getting best kind of trouble possible. And since then it's been a, it's been a constant. I mean, I listen to the dead all the time. And really this resurgence lately, um, you know, just just really loving the Europe 72 stuff and the Grateful Dead podcast that's been out, the good old Grateful Dead cast. I mean, they do such an awesome job. So anyway, it's been it's been really cool to kind of dig back in deeper and, and getting on your show has been a part of that for me, just like really listening to all the eras. And so, yeah, yep. Wouldn't wouldn't trade it in for anything. Awesome, Garth. Love it. Okay, uh, Dean is up 1-0 in the series. Garth needs this one to tie it up. Dean needs this one to win the Felix Heads prize pack. Let's hear Eric's next pick.
guesses are in from the heart of me at Providence Civic Center in Rhode Island on January 18th, 1979. Another guest of the year first, that song. Eric, thank you. Uh, why'd you pick that one? Oh, because I wanted to screw around with the guys who were trying to guess. what, what they're, <laughs> And mostly, mostly I want to hear what people have to say about Donna cause, because everybody has an opinion about Donna. Um, I think it's a beautiful song. Uh, I think the the story of how Donna joined the Grateful Dead is a remarkable story. She sort of saw the band and went up to Jerry after a show and said, I've got your piano player, my husband, or I don't know if he was his husband or husband yet, Heath, and um, they met and uh, it took off. Donna sang with Elvis Presley. I mean, a remarkable career. I think she has a beautiful voice. She often said she couldn't hear herself on stage and so sometimes it was off key, as as we all know, for those of us who've listened to Donna. And when I when I first uh, decided I wanted to do this song, I was like, who wrote that song? I couldn't remember. I thought maybe it was a Hunter song, but it's Donna. Donna wrote both the music and lyrics. And um, but it's Hunter esque to me. And so um, and I'm pretty sure I was at this show because I went to college in Medford, Mass. And so uh, uh, Providence wasn't far. And I'm pretty sure we went down to to check this out. Wow, I wish I was able to not remember all the Grateful Dead shows I went to. That's uh, <laughs> that's great. Um, Garth guessed nineteen seventy eight. He was closer. Dean guessed nineteen seventy six. Garth evens up the series. We're going to a game three. Garth, one year off. What'd you hear there? Yeah, I mean, I knew that must have been later. Um, she sounded amazing on that that show. Um, I'm a Donna fan. I, I'm I get behind Donna pretty much all the time. There's a couple a couple shows, you know, obviously a handful of shows where you kind of squint your eyes a little bit, but I, but I'm for it, man. I'm all for Donna. Yeah, I just I just took a not a shot in the dark, but you know, I think it's got to be late '70s, and so went with '78 and got pretty close. Awesome, thanks, Garth. Dean, you guessed '76. Um, why '76? Just just a guess. I thought it was maybe an early take on that song. Not quite sure. By the way, I used to be in the kind of like this Donna camp, you know, long ago. But I take that back because really her era and Keith is like an awesome era of Grateful Dead music. So, you know, how can you say anything bad about it? It's all incredible. So um, I thought it sounded a little earlier than it was. But uh, there you go. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Music Never Stops was never the same afterwards, in my opinion. But Dean, your last to go here. How did you get into the dead? And how did you get Jeremy um, into the dead? How did you raise this product? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I went to college at MIT in fall of 77. And coming out of high school, I was like more into pro I was into prog rock, you know, yes, Genesis, that kind of thing. And um, then fast forward to the beginning of sophomore year, I came back after the summer and my friend Chris was playing this band called the Grateful Dead in his dorm room. It's like, what is this? And huh, started listening. This is pretty cool. And so over the next several months, my friends and I, we'd be playing all their records and trying to figure out all the lyrics because they weren't written down anywhere. And and uh, especially like Europe 72 and Live Dead were just unbelievable. And uh, I think we went to see the Grateful Dead movie at one point. And then finally got to see him live with a bunch of college friends at Billerica, Mass, May 11th, 1979. Incidentally, the only show that I saw with no encore. So, uh, you know, that was the beginning and went to a ton of shows over the next couple of years. I'm kind of surprised I 
got through school okay, but I did fine. I mean, I, I look at my 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 touring log. I we went to uh, Madison Square Garden on a Tuesday night. I mean, I'm in the middle of school, and I I, I like don't like skipping classes and stuff. It's hard enough as it is, and uh, you know, went to a couple of road trips to the Uptown Theater in Chicago. Uh, got strip searched by the Canadian Border Patrol on the way back to Boston on that one of those trips. Uh, you know, a bunch of long-haired guys with tape recording equipment in the car looked a little suspicious. You know, <laughs> then I moved to the West Coast to, for grad school and work. Moved to Palo Alto here in '84 uh, and saw tons of shows nearby. And you know, living in the Bay Area, you can go to shows all the time. You don't have to go on the road or anything. And I worked really close to Shoreline Amphitheater, so I could just walk to the shows from work. And uh, Jeremy's mother and I took his older brother Kyle to the last Bay Area Grateful Dead concert, uh, June 4th, 95, at, at Shoreline when he was seven months old. So he can, he can brag that he did see the Grateful Dead, even though he was a baby. <laughs> and then um, Jeremy got into the music probably in you know high school, whatever. I, I took him and his twin brother, John, to the second Fare Thee Well show in Santa Clara. So he was, uh, what, 16 then. So, uh, and Jeremy's... Jeremy's always been into all different kinds of music. The Dead is, you know, one of his favorites, but he he likes a lot of stuff. So he's 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 got a wide range of musical tastes. So um, I'll take a little credit for the Dead part, I suppose. Sure. Do you just and, uh, uh, hold a boombox over the crib or what? When did you introduce it to him? Um, probably very very young. I'm sure I have videos of of him, you know, dancing to some music out, out of a boombox or something, you know, long ago. Love that. All right, it's tied up. Game three is coming up now. Felix has prize pack on the line. Eric has a song for us. Let's hear it. Holy shit. 
Nice choice, Eric. Uh, that was <laughs> Viola Lee Blues at Crystal Ball Ribbon, Portland, Oregon, on February 2nd, 1968. Hell of a choice, Eric. Uh, why that one? We needed we needed something from the from the sixties from uh, from the time when these these guys were very young. Um, I love how it begins with sort of that crash and um, I, 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 Garcia's guitar. I think he's starting to explore what he can do there. Like I was thinking, if you were to isolate Garcia's guitar here, it's just you might not know it's Jerry Garcia. Whereas by seventy seventy one, Garcia's guitar is Jerry Garcia. Nobody else played like that. So I think he was exploring what he could do. This is a 14 minute long version of this. Um, I love the vocals. Pigpen is really assertive and healthy. And one of the things that I think is so important about seeing shows is like uh, Dean was kind of alluding to this, like where you see that, where you see it. And uh, Carousel Ballroom, Lesh did, um, Phil and Friends in 2018 did a 50th anniversary of this show. So I went out there, my sister's out there. And um uh, what a special what a special room and so i wanted to find something from there from the 60s and this was uh i, lo- I loved your reaction mike like whoa that's <laughs> there's some enter there's some young there's some young men there having a blast right yeah incredible choice yeah and that's such a great observation that i couldn't it was on the tip of my tongue and i couldn't figure it out it's that jerry doesn't sound exactly like jerry there he right sounds yeah. like he's thrashing you know and he's figuring it out he's going through puberty there um, exactly yeah well, Dean got it exactly. 1968. Garth gets 67. A oh. great run by oh. both of them. Dean, we'll go to you. Congratulations. You are champ of guest of the year. How'd you pluck out 68? Well, it, it was very, you know, proto-dead. It's that early, early sound. You know, I, the pig, pig pen's keyboards are really there. I, I, I didn't hear any Tom Constantin, so I figured it was a little earlier. You know, as it, as it got into 69, 70, it, it, in a way it got a little spacier, I guess, a little, little out there. So it was, it was, uh, sounded like 1968. Good pull not hearing Tom and, uh, and, you know, using that as a guide. Nice work, Dean. Congratulations. Tough road. Not a lot of room for error this entire game, and you, you did a, a great job. Uh, Garth. You know, you went from uh, hoping you didn't make the first round to being one year off in the game three of the finals. Amazing run. Why 67? Yeah, I mean, I heard all that same early, you know, just kind of rocking out, just up there, just putting it all out there. I also even wrote down, like, you know, I couldn't put my put words to it either, but, you know, it's like it sounds like Jerry, but it's not quite there yet. You know, I, I felt that kind of like him noodling and feeling it out. And I, you know, I just... Uh, you know, had that had that acid testy kind of sound to it. You know, um, they're just letting it all hang out there, and it felt like you know, it's like uh, that almost back to my punk rock days. You know, it's, they're just just putting it all out there. So, way to go, Dean. I had '68 written down too. I, you know, I was back and forth. Uh, you know, I I you know, was trying to pin it in there and, and got it exact, and I was one year off. And so, congrats, man. Congrats. It was early '68. It was close. Yeah. Yep. My kids will be proud. They, they they didn't want me to go out in the first round, and so so they'll be happy that I made it this far. Uh, yeah, you did a great job, Garth. Thanks so much for doing it, man. Eric, thank you so much for being here. You know, it's the perfect a dead professor is uh, a perfect um, you know guest curator for the show, and I can't thank you enough for doing it. Loved you know your insights and love what you're doing over there at Duke. 
Thank you, Mike. It was my pleasure. And mostly thank you for when you and I were first in touch, you suggested I curate rather than play. That is, I, I, I will thank you for that forever because uh, these guys are awesome. Garth, Dean, great job. Uh, I, I look forward to Dean uh, he hearing how you do next time. All right, thanks. Yeah, excited to have Dean back next week. Thank you again to Eric, Dean, Garth, and all the contestants. All right, subscribe to Guest the Year on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For all the show links, including our new YouTube channel, go to guesttheyear.net. And if you want to be a contestant on the show, sponsor the show, or make comments and ask questions, email us at info at guesttheyear.net. Thank you so much to Eric for coming on and picking that great set list. Three new songs we never heard before. This is why it's so much fun to hear other voices in the set list. So thank you, Eric. Thank you so much to Felix Heads for doing the prize pack. Thank you to um, Mason for tapping Felix Heads as the prize pack provider. Mason, a.k.a. at From the Lot, does all of our prize pack curation. Thank you so much, Mason. And thank you to Dylan for drawing the posters. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to the amazing tapers whose recordings made this show possible. Congratulations to our new champ, Dean. And to our other contestants, thanks for playing. And remember, it's all one song anyway. And I bet you good night. Good night. Good night. And I bet you good night. Good night. Good night.